You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And today in our Spotlight segment, we are really excited to have as our guest one of our colleagues at the University of Pennsylvania, Professor Joe Toro. He's a professor at the Annenberg School for Communications. He's the author of over 150 articles and 10 books, including the one we'll talk about today, the recently published The Voice Catchers, How Marketers Listen In to Exploit Your Feelings, Your Privacy, and Your Wallet. Thank you, Joe, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Before we talk about your newest book, I want to talk about how I knew you. I think it was I know that you were the one who suggested I write the book I wrote called The Grocery Revolution. I attribute the fact that I even wrote this book to you. So that (laughs) was over 25 years ago, I think. Um, And you were telling me at the time, right around that, so a really long time ago, that you were worried that news communication was going to get very um, polarized and that we were going to get into echo chambers. And I believe you were talking about this before anybody else was talking about it. Can you refresh my memory? And talk well, I, you know, that? I'm not, I don't, I can't vouch for everybody else. Okay. Not what, what did happen? I, I began in the early nineties to get very interested in the, um, it, by the, it wasn't the digitization of advertising, really. It was the increase in segmentation. I think in my book, uh, Breaking Up America, the internet is mentioned twice. The book came out in 96. People think that it's the internet that has done all of this. And certainly the internet and digital media in general have uh, pushed segmentation and personalization in ways we can discuss. I'd be real happy to do that. But even before that, advertisers were fixated in getting into segments and breaking people up into things like, what is a woman, what is a man? And once you get into what is a woman and around the turn of the eighties, as women left the home increasingly upper middle-class women for jobs, they literally asked questions in ad age, for example, uh, is an executive woman different from a man? So the idea of thinking about society more and more as Mm -hmm. tribal Mm -hmm. really dates back far before the internet. That's a really good point. And so the book was about the the problem of breaking up America. What happens when you have advertisers who have a vested interest in seeing us in pieces? Mm. And if I may say so, my basic proposition about all this is that the best kind of society should have a balance between what I call segment-making media and society-making media. Segment-making media are media which help people learn and cultivate their particular values, gay media, Christian media, uh, media for certain kinds of women executives. But at the same time, I think it's really important for society to come together and fight and celebrate each other and all the segments within society-making media. We've mm. never had that in a really interesting form. I mean, leave it to paper is not the society making media that I would, you know, encourage. Right. But uh, more and more, we're getting down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. of personalization, mm. which even is beyond segmentation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and you're I absolutely right. I thought about it. I thought about it as really making being really important in today's in the Trump era and all that other stuff. But you're right. You made this point before technology and what technology did was just facilitate that trend that you had already identified. Exactly. You know, Americus, I'm interested in your point of view on this because you're a brand identity theorist and you really like the idea of creating these identities. But you hear what Joe's point is. What's your comment to that point? Yeah, I love Joe's point, Barbara. And I think that, you know, one of the things that is uh, an underlying premise of what I study and try to understand. I love the word tribal because it's like there, it's this inherent sense of I need to know who I am. And part of how I know who I am is knowing who I'm not. And so the notion that, you know, I'm going to have some time spent effort trying to understand and gain comfort and self-worth from being around people who share my own beliefs uh, is really somehow an important piece of this, this in-group, out-group, right? And so it only takes a little bit of a certain type of communication or media style to exploit that, right? And we've seen that, I think, in the last several years. So I think what, what I love about what Joe's point is, though, is what I try to talk about in kind of the multidimensionality concept where it's like, you know, yes, we are unique in these core values that we have that are representations of who we are, but then there's a broader kind of, you know, umbrella of humanity that hopefully we can ladder up to at some point and sort of, to Joe's point, celebrate those differences. And I don't think we've done a really great job of that, that latter piece. So I think this is, there's a, this is a super interesting subtext, I think, that's going on beneath all of these efforts in marketing to try to get better and better at the sort of sniper approach where we're, we're so honed in on a specific little sliver of trying to understand preference that we forget these bigger impacts that we might be having as marketers when we try to execute these things at scale. Yeah, what are your thoughts if, on that? If we're only talking to ourselves within that echo chamber, then you get into the problems that you're seeing here. You're not listening to anybody else and you're getting deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. So, I mean, this is a, a really big topic to discuss, but it is kind of interesting what the natural direction of micro-targeting and segmentation could take us to. And as I mentioned, Joe mentioned this 25 years ago before the rest of us yes. were really talking about it. But let's let's switch gears now, Joe, because there's so much to talk about with what you are what you are talking about now with your latest book. Um, and so now the, your newest book, which was recently published called The Voice Catchers, How Marketers Listen In to Exploit Your Feelings, Your Privacy and Your Wallet. You're going down another uh, <laughs> another area, which is a little this. bit scary. But so, it's all related. <laughs> and it's definitely related. Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah. if I understand you are suggesting that this voice technology can suggest kind of a pattern of speaking or your persuasion techniques or what will persuade you or your emotions and could capitalize marketing techniques or tactics based on what they hear in your voice. Is yes. That- and it's beyond that. Uh, people I've spoken to and read about who scientifically study voice profiling mm. argue that from a person's voice, you can tell their height, their weight, their age, their gender, their race, wow. whether or not they've been on birth control for a month. I kid you not. <laughs> wow. There, there's a company in Israel that's trying to figure out whether people can, whether you can learn about Alzheimer's from a person's voice. 
Interesting. Predictably. So, that seems easier, frankly, well, than yes. whether or not they're pregnant. You know, <laughs> I, I have heard this. Uh, there's a woman at Carnegie Mellon named Rita Singh who studies this stuff. Uh, Interesting. In ways that I couldn't, I read her book, Skipping Across the Formulas. Mm. And the thing about it is that um, in the last few weeks, for example, McDonald's has been sued in, in Illinois because they supposedly have been using people's drive-through voices to figure out their gender and their age. Interesting. Wow. And uh, I don't know if you know the Halo from Amazon, which is a, it's like a Fitbit. It okay. came out yeah. Oh, September. right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what you do, it contends that as you walk through the world, it will listen to, to what you say and to whom you speak and can tell you how you sound to your vo- your boss, how you sound to your spouse, how you sound to your friends wow. emotionally. Now, um, this is interesting. So you're suggesting it's more, I mean, I can imagine how you could tell gender and age from voice because I could tell a children's voice, you know, a child's mm-hmm. voice from an older person's voice. I could do that. And I'm not very sophisticated and I can typically tell male and female. So I could kind of see how technology could do that. Some of the other nuances you're suggesting, I would imagine was harder, and this but goes I, on could all the time. I could tell it from content. So how much do they use the content and how much do they use the sound of the voice? Well, oh. it's very interesting that you ask that. The, the, the area of voice profiling is most developed in the contact center business. The rest of it, we could talk about how it's, I picked an industry, unlike my recent book, uh, The Isle Have Eyes, which is about how supermarkets track you and all that. When I wrote it, it was pretty well congealed. This is an industry that is just now developing. Right. And I wanted to focus on something that we could say, hey, let's stop it. <laughs> let's, let's do certain things that we can say, policy-wise, we don't want this. But what I found is within the last 10 years, the contact center business is the most active area in this. So, for example, there are companies that listen to what you say, specifically the words, mm-hmm. and analyze. If you say, I am frustrated, they'll mm-hmm. seize on the word frustrated. Mm-hmm. But there are also uh, several companies that focus on the sound of your voice and the syntax of your voice. And the argument is that that's something that is more important in terms of really understanding where you're coming from emotionally. At least that's the argument they make. So, Americus, you're a musician and a drummer at that. And <laughs> so you listen to um, rhythm and things like that. that. I mean, I would imagine that's somewhat related to what he's saying. Do you what do you think about this? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot. This is Joe's point. It's really fantastic because it opens up a whole bunch of like important policy questions, philosophical questions, moral questions, quite honestly. Yes. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, there definitely is information and what I think is interesting about what Joe's talking about is that all you need, even in cases where you would think of, like, you can't tell someone's, you know, gender or someone's, you know, uh, particular type of identity from, you know, the voice. Well, if you have, you know, 100,000 million, you know, instances of this, you can develop a confidence interval and do just about it's anything. It's called right? AI, of course. Yeah, of course. And so, but I love that idea. But talk to us, Joe, about where does the line get drawn? Like, presumably when we sign up for Alexa or Bixby or Cortana or Siri or whatever, are we agreeing to all of this? (laughs) You actually are. If you read the privacy policies, the companies take the right to use your voice. It's extremely vague. So when I started the book, for example, uh, I looked at the uh, Bank of America 
privacy policy. Bank of America has an assistant call, called Erica. And uh, this assistant, not Eric, but Erica. That's a whole subject in Most itself. of these assistants seem to be female. Yes, that's yes. a big yeah. subject. So uh, when, I, when I started looking at this maybe a year ago or so, they didn't have anything in the privacy policy about voice. The draft. I looked again at the privacy policy. They had put voice in. Pandora says that it has the right to use your voice. Spotify wow. recently got in trouble because it got a patent around in, in January, which says that it can use uh, your voice to figure oh, wow. out various aspects of your body. And they give you a variety of things. Wow. Gender and age. Uh, when you ask, when you ask it for information about music. Interesting. Um, and Interesting. some groups got together like Access Now and said, hey, we think this is too intrusive. We yes. want you to disavow the use of this. Yes. And the Spotify president said, we aren't using it. And they said, no, we want you to disavow the use of it and that you won't yes. sell it to anyone. Yes. And they to do this as far as I can tell. Interesting. So it's, it doesn't say whether or not it uses your voice yet. Google promises that in home nests, it won't use your voice print, the physical manifestation of your voice, but it says that it can use it. It has the right to use it on the phone, for example, and outside the home. Um, advertisers are gearing up because they're scared out of their mind about this new voice industry for a number of reasons. One less to do with the sound of your voice, but they're worried that Amazon and Google are going to take over and already are taking over the space in voice. So they, if you say, uh, mm -hmm. Alexa, I would like aspirin or I'd like batteries, for example, they're worried that they're, you're only going to get two choices, one of which is going to be Amazon's. Right, exactly. So, so there, right. there, you are conflating so many different issues here. Right. Let, let's kind of unpack a little okay. bit of it. One of it is the easiness it is to order things or to talk to Alexa. It's easier yes. than writing and things like that. And if I say, for example, put on my list aspirin, I'm kind of leaving it to Alexa to figure out what kind of aspirin I want. And I'm kind of giving up my point of decision making. That's one piece. Right. And you're definitely seeing people really invest in this voice technology because they think anything that makes shopping easier and takes away the pain point consumers yeah. are going to go to. And it scares the pants off of a lot of bad people for that reason. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's one aspect. Yes. Another aspect is the idea of what I say and using the words I say yes. and the way I use words right. and the content of the words that I'm using to infer emotions or future and actions. You're absolutely right. But you see, advertisers having been through that first logic of worrying about it, some of them are beginning to try to figure out the voice part. The, the well, I was going to ask. And the third piece is the literal sound. We had on our show MasterCard um, marketer, the, the, the CMO of MasterCard, who was telling us that he was making a voice print for the brand MasterCard because the sound of the brand now mattered. And he spent, I don't know how much money and how many hours yes. putting together to me, what sounded like 10 seconds of bleh, bleh, but apparently it was very, very. I know you read about that too, but yeah. you're absolutely right. The focus of my book though, is on what comes out of our throats mm. and how marketers ultimately will try to use that. It, it relates to what I call the unending spiral of personalization. 
Uh-huh. They argue in the book is that um, the, the sort of holy grail of the internet, the notion that advertisers could use the internet to solve John Wanamaker's dilemma, which was, you know, 50% of my advertising works, but I don't know which 50%. Um, they thought they could do that with the internet, with digital. It mm-hmm. doesn't work. And there are so many, we can go into lots of reasons. That Interesting. Let, 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 let me ask you this, Joe, because sometimes what happens, and get your take off this too, Barbara, when something like this happens, Joe, this will spawn an entire counter industry of voice, dis, um, how do you call it, you know, uh, disguises and boxes and things. And so are, are you starting to see that kind of thing? I'll tell you, some scholars believe that it's really hard to do that. Mm. I haven't seen it in operation yet. You know what I'm more worried about? I'm worried about voice scraping. Mm. So, for example, you know, Clubhouse and spinoffs of that. Ah, You go ah. in and you talk and they know who you are. I can see malefactors doing what Clearview AI has done, which is you go in, you scrape people's voices, you identify characteristics about them, and you sell that on the open market. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, that makes sense to me in some sense when you talk about it like that, because people, when they hear me speak, even though I've tried for however many years, can always detect a tiny New York City accent. I was going to say, yeah, in Brooklyn, uh, right? Right. In Brooklyn, born in Brooklyn. And, you know, that was however many years ago and you still hear it in my voice. So I believe, like you said, age and gender cultural, the, the types of words I use, the timing I use, all of that actually is not that hard to believe that you could pick up from my voice because we actually, even before the technology, knew that about Well, let me give an example of, of a, a f- kind of famous among the people who know this stuff, uh, t- patent from Amazon. And they actually have a cartoon. Woman walks into her apartment and says, Alexa, <clears throat> tell me what I can have for dinner. Give me a recipe, please. And Alexa, here's the sniffle and the cough and says, you sound like you have a cold. How about a recipe for chicken soup? And Alexa says, and the woman says, no, thank you. So Alexa says, well, how about some cough drops? I can have it delivered in one hour. And the woman says, that's a terrific idea. Thank you. And of course, Amazon owns a pharmacy. Right. You know, there, there are lots of ways to spin this off in terms of problematic understandings and discrimination. Interesting. Certain people being discriminated against and already yeah. are uh, in the contact center business. Oh, that's interesting, right. If you have yeah. a, big, a good history with a company, and this comes from a video in one of the contact center software companies' um, uh, websites, um, and you go there and they hear you're frustrated, they will send the agent on the phone an, a message for their computer on the monitor saying, caution, this person is a really important customer. You have permission to give them a $200 discount on the next purchase or something like that. Got it, got so, it. Well, I mean, you're looking at the nefarious side of this. Of course, I always more- do that. Yes, yes you do yes. see that's part of my Oh, that's interesting. There's an upside and a downside. There is an upside, you know. Yeah. Sometimes like when I'm hesitating, whether or not I click the box that says share my my information with sponsors, I sometimes click that box because I want to share my information because I For want sure. that will make me better. Now, may I give you can I get a little bit off the topic and get you a little freaked out about this? OK, OK, I'm already freaked out, Joe. So like, be careful because I'm on the edge right now as we speak. So well, I'm about to take all my Alexas and throw them out the window. Man. So be careful. <laughs> 
Well, the voice catches focuses on what I think is a really important red line, biometric targeting. Okay, that's really what it's about. It's about the biometric, the use of biometrics, your body, even more so, I would argue, than facial recognition. And I think that should be a red line. But we also focus a lot on Amazon and Google and all this stuff. You guys use Doodle? Doodle. What's Doodle? Doodle Pulse? Doodle is a scheduling program. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah. Sure. So yep. we, we got a Doodle, you know, we were setting up a faculty meeting. And on the bottom, it said, not that I typically see it, it said, we value your privacy. So I started looking at what they mean by that. And when I dug into it, you don't have to look that far. They have 50 to 100 partners, in quotes, that basically track everything you do online, figure out your identity, know exactly where you are location-wise, mm. a whole lot of other data, including fingerprint your phone. Mm. And in order to get away from that, I literally, because this is not Europe, in the GDPR, it would all be blank and you'd have to go boom, 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 boom. Right. Yeah. All of the 75 or so partners were clicked. And yeah. I had to go in there and unclick each one of them. Yeah. And then when I went away from that and tried to go back and when it didn't show up anymore, I went into the privacy policy and the privacy policy didn't have anything about this. It simply talked about what um, Doodle collects and had two, two lines about the partners. So my point is that even in today's world, what we consider to be utility activities is so filled with, is fraught with this stuff. Interesting. The next step is the voice and the face. And who knows beyond that, the urine? Ooh, yeah. I guess, you know, I mean, you know, our watch is collecting our glucose, our, our, our sweat. You're absolutely right. Next thing is definitely. So, so uh, where, how far do we go in terms of allowing this kind of thing? And beyond that, you know, I wouldn't want to be in China when they figure out they can use voice. So, for example, let's say you're in a courtroom and they try to argue that it's not just what you said, it's your voice tone when you said it. And the, the AI can distinguish what that means, supposedly. Mm. I mean, wow. all wow. of this raises okay. fundamental questions. I'm going to, right now, I'm going to have to jump off the grid and go live in a log cabin and make my own yeah. clothes because <laughs> this is shockingly disturbing, Joe. Well, you know, we've known it for a while, but you're wow. taking it to the new level, you know. But you know what we find, and, and really close to what America's just said, unfortunately, the way people are responding to this is resignation. You know, we, we've done national surveys and at least two of them we find, and I don't want to go into the whole details, but I can point you to it, um, that uh, 58 in one survey and 63% in another survey of Americans are essentially resigned to giving up data. It's not like they want to. We often, the argument that I'm making about this is that we often argue that this is a transaction between marketers and people. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, sometimes it is, but you can't tell the difference between a transactional logical activity and resignation, we find. People mm. do it because- oh, That's interesting. So, that's really interesting. You know, a lot of people, I mean, you don't have to be a, a survey researcher to do this, but we found this in national surveys. But a lot of people say, I would love to get off Facebook, but all my friends are on it. You know, I just can't do anything about that. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, wow. Joe, you brought a lot of thought to I know. This, this, this is a dark so dystopian. We should <laughs> talk about this off camera like sometimes a... and off yeah. mic. Where can our listeners go to, um, to catch up with you and read about your latest book, The Voice Catchers? Thank you. Well, I, you're, I know you're at the Annenberg School at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm sure you have a website there. So yes, look have. up Joseph Toro if you want to find out more about what he's thinking and he's writing about. That's Amazing. all we have time for today. A big thanks to Professor Americus Reed for being my co-host. We'd like to thank our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins and Chris Tooks, and our producer, Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow our show on Twitter at SXM Marketing, or you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening today. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.